Hey now, say now, you tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. <laughs> we are here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, at the Living the Dream Studios, and once again, D-Boy and Spencer Shea. What's going on, fellas? I can feel it. Oh, shit. We got to sample that one. <laughs> he I came off singing, <laughs> didn't he do it? <laughs> That's funny. Well, let's jump. Good, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Well, let's jump straight into it. A couple of quick announcements as a lot is going on this week, which is nothing new if you listen to the podcast. We always got a decent amount of announcements, but for starters, tomorrow night I will be, and we're recording this on a Wednesday night, by the way, just to clear the air there. But tomorrow night, Portland State against the University of Idaho. It'll be a home-and-away back-to-back matchup this weekend. As the first game, we'll be at the Viking Pavilion here. You can catch me on Pluto TV on the Viking Sports Network. But the next game will actually be in Idaho, which is rare because usually you'll see either a home-and-home and and an away or away in these back-to-back matchups. But they're actually going to play at Portland State tomorrow night. And, of course, I do the home games as far as being an analyst. And then Friday, they'll travel out and go play in Idaho on Saturday. You can still check both games out on For the people that don't know, what is Pluto TV? Is that just a website? Yeah, I I always wondered that. Yeah, I mean, it's like a streaming service, like a Netflix. You can get it on Roku. It's like an app form. It's just another... It's free. It so is it's free. a free app free. you can get on Roku, yeah. Pluto and then TV we can see the games and hear you commentate. You can get it on your phone, just like you can get the Xfinity app on your phone. And we can but hear you, you commentate from there. Absolutely. Nice. You can okay. watch the game. All right. I'm glad we was able to commentate. Gonna, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think see? I'm going to have to download that. Yeah, it's I'm, definitely I'm actually been free getting... app, and you watch it for free. I'm, and what it is is... the only dumb question is the question you don't ask. No, and to explain it a little bit more, essentially what it is is for, like, just regular television viewers... It's a daytime television platform, but things just air a little bit after they air live on cable television. So you may have a 24-hour lag from a show. So you might watch yesterday's show today, essentially, on Pluto. But the games are live. The sports are live. Obviously, I'm on live. But as far as, like, regular cable channels that people may watch or enjoy, it's just almost like a day lag. But it's absolutely free. So if you don't want to pay a cable bill and you're willing to kind of, you know, accept that day lag, like, you can get essentially most of the stuff Yo. that you watch on regular cable and television. Those, and those are some good games, man. They're great. They are. I mean, it's great. Division One. It's yeah. Division One. They yeah. don't get no yeah. higher I'm, than that. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm tuned in from now on. I'm good. Absolutely. Yeah. So, TV, yeah, man. Pluto TV, Viking Sports Network, and sometimes they air it on the Big Sky Conference Network as well. But each team in the Big Sky Conference has their own network on Pluto based on how oh. the TV contracts oh, are worked out with the Big Sky. So make sure you go ahead and check that out. Also, finally, it's here. I've been talking about it the last two weeks the representative janelle bynum interview that i got to do for street roots it'll be on kind of dual platforms as i obviously recorded the podcast with her and it'll be on the street roots podcast with which i host but also it'll be in a QA format in the print edition of the paper again today is wednesday wednesday is our new paper day for the time being as we've had to make adjustments during the pandemic where friday used to be our new paper day so make sure you go and check that out i got to discuss with her about a lot of different house bills in regards to policing and police reform here in the state of Oregon. 
the legislators are currently in the legislative session right now. So this is a really important time to be involved and be informed in regards to what's going on and figuring out how to weave yourself into action, essentially, to try to get some of these bills passed. And even beyond that, just get some of these bills adjusted where things may have been wrong initially, but there was the right intent. Now that we've got to learn from some bills that have already been passed for six months to a year, you now know what adjustments need to be made and we can figure out how to fill those voids. So very informative interview. It is like elite from top to bottom. And again, she's been championing a lot of those bills, especially as one of the few black women that's an elected official here and elected official here in the state. We don't have many of those. So her voice is being heard on, on levels that Usually black folks' voices aren't heard here in the state of Oregon. But no. go and check that out, like I said, both on the podcast as well as supporting a vendor and purchasing a newspaper, putting some folks in, uh, putting some money in some folks' pockets who need it as well as deserve it and as well as getting a full newspaper of some really good journalism and content. One last announcement. This week, Portland Street Response was launched. I seen that. I, they did their first uh, call or something, right? Portland Street Response was launched. This How did that been, go? How did the first call go? Is it, is I don't know if they did the first call in I, particular, I, I, but I they now it. have the crisis sure teams did. out in the yeah. community to support and help people that are going through mental health crisis rather than the police showing up and people calling 911. You now can call Portland Street Response to show up and try to defuse the situation and obviously allowing that not to lead to folks getting arrested. How do you call Portland Street Response? Um, go to their Twitter. Go to their website. They have all of that on there. I don't have, like, the exact numbers in front of me in regards okay. to how to call them and contact them, but it's literally Twitter, Instagram, Portland Street Response. So it's like, I, I all guess one I mean... word. That's I, their social media site. Yeah, I guess I just meant and, to be and like, And I know they were doing... Accessible. Initially, they were doing, yeah. like, a filter by way of calling 911 where those calls essentially get coded in a different way where the police aren't contacted oh, and nice. PSR are contacted, but I don't quite know if they've gotten to that point exactly exactly yet but this thing had to get launched because we obviously know the, the 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 trying times that we're in in regards to policing and social justice in this country this was one of the few things here in, in portland that was able to get the police defunded as you know when when the protests were going on this summer and everybody was chanting to defund the police portland ended up defunding 15 million from the police bureau 4.8 million of that went to portland street response but Jeez. it's been some delays in it being launched because of COVID. as just about everything has been delayed because of COVID. but they're on the ground running now man so that is really awesome. <laughs> cool to see you know just something deriving from an article written by emily green in our newspaper to you know us really putting together an advocacy plan to get this thing rolling and going our vendors going out and hitting the streets and gathering information from people that are unhoused so that this pilot could be tailored to the people that it's actually going to affect the most and so, so for us people, making appearances for it too for people that don't have as much insight as we do what do you think is the main contribution or positive attribution to this rollout what do you think is who and what is going to be impact like what's better what makes this better well in 2017 um in Multnomah County over 50 percent of the arrests that were made were people that were homeless 
So obviously they're the most public facing. They're the ones getting calls. A lot of a lot of times it's not violent calls, but they're going through mental distress, living right. out on the streets, um, trespassing, things of that sort. So Nothing in really, a way, this helps the police and the citizens absolutely. too, right? The police, okay. the police were with it when it was, was proposed. Gonna, yeah. It helps the police because a lot of it is wasted time. And they it were getting, ultimately and, sounds and, like. And don't quote me here, but because we've been working on this for such a while now, but like every 15 minutes, people, the, the police were getting calls about unhoused people going through whatever. That's, that's, that's a lot of time, street. bro. So every 15 minutes, <laughs> that's what I was trying to get at for people who calls, don't know what, what. That's very important. So now you have an alternative first response Honestly, to man. these folks that are dealing with these crises out on the streets. And like mm-hmm. I said, they're the most public facing because they're always Dude. outside. And Dude, I, I just want to say that like, uh, yeah, I definitely am down with the Portland Street response, and it's all good and well, but I think that there's also a problem of just, pe- I mean, people calling the cops, dude. I yeah. think it's like, <laughs> yeah. but, I don't know how And that's what I was about to say. No matter if you're Republican, Democrat, this helps full circle everybody. It makes the most sense, especially in the regards to people saying, Oh, I hate when they call the police. That's our tax dollars. That's just wasted time. It's three, four cops here for this. It's like, no longer. That money was just put towards something, something that's, that's beneficial gonna... and makes sense. Yeah, so... but what it is, is it, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, it's like, it's it's putting money towards something. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm, I'm saying no, that, I hear you. you know, Talk about that it. I think that you put, you're just putting money toward combating an issue that, like, I, I, the way I'm looking at it is, like, there's so many great community-based programs that especially in Portland are gaining a lot of traction and they're and they're becoming more and more exponentially impactful and that's all just to combat like a basically on the on the flip side of things like a lack of a sense of community by people who see I mean we all live here yeah and so you see people that are out there or or you see a situation that you know I'm saying like it looks to be I don't know distressful or whatever and then like your reaction is, I'm going to call the police because I want it to be, like, erased from my life. But it's, like, mm-hmm. it's not erased from your life. Yeah, and, and I know that because even outside this studio, you will see a whole houseless community set up, and then it'll be taken away. Sweat. You know, you, you know it's sweat. <laughs> it's I mean, sweat. clear. It's I'm not... talking about uh, when I say houseless community, you know, really tents build up and, and down yeah. the but, but, I mean, tents is... is the bare minimum. I'm talking about. I start seeing picket fences getting built and and tarps connecting to other camps, like, basically. Real. Yeah. So you know, and so it it, and, it ended up right it ended up being washed yeah, away. It ended up being washed yeah. away, and yeah. it was crazy because I become so immune to seeing it that not until it was clear. I'm like, damn, it's hella space over here. Like to where some, it don't bother me as much, but I could see somebody in the community who live here and you know really just adamant about the pearl district beautiful it's like i see trash being left i see the negative effects in the community as well i see people that seem to be going off the deep end and like you said it doesn't necessarily warrant a police call no you know no, it, it, doesn't. It, it, it and doesn't. all of the it things doesn't. that i've seen in this it, two you know, three years we've been here is a helping hand i've you seen know? one time where it seemed like know? okay that could have been somewhere you got to be on your toes yeah. and maybe call the police but that's one time in three years so i know that this yeah. is pot um, it's a step in the right direction and when people hear defund the police they automatically just think it's janky and negative to the police like i said this is helping them too 
because this is less interaction they gotta have with yeah. with stuff they're ultimately ineffective with handling. Also, yeah, and, and also no speaking, <laughs> yeah, speaking to what you just said, this is actually going back to, and this is just more promo to the article with Rep. Janelle Bynum. Um, I think that was also during a time when a lot of the uprisings were happening. So things were a lot more tense here in the city and beyond. I mean, these were national, even international uprisings that we saw. So when I interviewed Rep. Janelle Bynum and we were talking about these House bills that are being discussed in the current legislation, in the current legislative session, I asked her, do you believe that these bills that are being proposed that you all are talking about is actually going to change the culture in policing in particular? And although most people, you would probably hear them say no, but she says, actually, you're already seeing the culture change happening now within those infrastructures. It may not have trickled out to society yeah. yet, but the conversation, people are a bit more willing to actually have the conversation and speak to what's wrong and, to what, and what's right, rather than it be me, you know, one side versus the other, the police versus the community, yeah. things of that Dude. sort. So yeah. speaking I, of I, what I, you were saying there, you know, it's actually... She says that a culture is changing. Dude, I really I do haven't feel felt that. it yet, but I, she's the one that's really, really on the front lines that, from a man. political standpoint to where she says the conversations in general are shifting in regards to these bills and regards to legislation and future laws to be set in place to hold the police accountable for the faulty shit that does take man, place. So, I believe that. I, 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 believe I that. feel that, dude. I I'm that. telling you, I feel that. We were talking about this earlier, and I just bought this week's issue and last week's issue on 33rd today. Yeah. So I'm super excited. And the problem with me is not, and this is a whole nother story, the only problem with me that I have with it is it's not whether I believe these conversations and these actions are taking place or not. It's just what it's taking to get there. It's it, it, like, that's sure. that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's urgent. It's, it's an urgent really, situation. You, you know what I mean? Well, it's you like, know, they say, like, the bureaucratic wheel grinds, like, you know, deathly slowly. Yeah, it's, it's like, like this like is real slow progress beast, for know? what we are constantly seeing with our phones every day. Dude, like, I know. The information you know what I mean? has made it, our minds be yeah. able to process more information quicker. Yeah, and, it's, and it's, in it's crazy. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's jump into some hoops. It was a good conversation there, though, in that regard. NBA. Damian Lillard, we starting local, Spliff, yeah. <laughs> Spencer. Yeah. We're starting local here. Damian Lillard, first of all, let's just start back to earlier in the week. Um, Stephen A. Smith came out and gave him a public apology because he's basically saying basketball media as a whole does not talk about Damian Lillard enough, especially when it comes to the MVP conversation. <laughs> now, we're here in the Portland market, so we understand things on an entirely different level than maybe the national basketball yeah, media does. Because yeah, yeah. Dame is pretty close to all we got to talk about out here because there's not a lot of sports happening in Portland anyway. But how y'all feeling, man, in regards to the apology initially and then also his performance before the apology, leading up to the apology, and even after the apology, the apology leading up to tonight, where he just did some more spectacular shit. I, I, I mean, let me think about this. Momentum is in tomorrow night's starting lineup, and Damian Lillard has enough momentum that he generates his own damn self that Portland fans know about to fuel the entire team, obviously, to where they're at. Stephen A. Smith, 
is just reiterating a fact that Damian Lillard is the low-key, and I'm going to say this right now on wax, and even if I'm not on the pod, I think Damian Lillard will finish number two in MVP voting this year. He is the number two MVP option. And if they get to the third seed, fourth seed... He deserves to win it. I think he deserves to win it. It's what I think, cuz. Let me tell you what I, I know think. I'm a homer. <laughs> I, know, I know I'm a homer, bro. It's what I, I think. I know that was a fucking party nah, decree. I nah, get it. I'm not even I'm not bro, even mad at on, that, but this is what I'm gonna tell you about Dame. He wanted a few people that is great every year and then gets greater. Like he keeps beating his level of greatness every year to where he has that underdog niche to where we literally watched him evolve from somebody who got overshadowed by other great players in the league to the point where you literally have to talk about him night in and night out. And the second you try to forget about him, he he leaves no room because he keeps doing it over and over with all these different pieces, all these different players that we keep seeing him make better around him yeah. from role players the Gary Trent like so we've seen a, so we seen a lot it's of so people but it's like I, I feel like I've seen really this shit happen one. three different like we was talking about Aminu uh, Alfreak Aminu like <laughs> you never hear like, his name you, you never hear it again you feel <laughs> me but it's like it's <laughs> no, like on these runs that he go on year after year how key know, he makes man. these other people Dude, even let's be real our own friend I believe Alan Crabb was at the peak of his fandom and everything career. when it was the peak at, in Portland I think it was a yeah. real camaraderie there yeah, yeah. and it's like it yeah. say a lot about somebody when you could keep doing that with the players around you and keep being great and, and, and accepting that low and then doing it every time. Well, you it's, I mean? it's interesting so, that you say that because heart. he was just on uh, Gillian Wallow's podcast last week, Million Dollars Worth of Game, and they essentially asked him about going to Weber and basically being underrated coming out of high school, going to a small college like Weber. And essentially what he said was a lot of that more so had to do with just high school politics. We can obviously get into a whole nother conversation in that regard and how high school politics work from rankings to, you know, now apparel companies being involved, so on and so forth. But what he said was, he said, the crazy part is I've been the same player all of my life. I just keep getting better and better and better at what it is that I actually do. So I agree with you 100% on that take that the dude just and I didn't continues even hear that to elevate and, even... and his trajectory just continues to elevate higher and higher. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you think he reached his ceiling, which to this point, you shouldn't even put a ceiling on him because and he continues to break through the barriers of greatness but, but, where you but, think he'll but, probably but, stall but, but, out but. a plateau. He elevates again. But, and it's crazy. But he doesn't mm-hmm. have a championship and that's the argument against him. But I don't even think that I any think, of that I matters. Think, and, but I, I think don't. for him, he's a unique person because everybody knows like the, the, the pieces that I just mentioned outside of uh, CJ McCollum, who's been consistent you got a lot of inconsistent players due to injury. People who who seem to show good potential, big men and all this shit, but they never they don't get stay healthy and then yeah. Exactly. So I saw that to say I think never mind. I say if they were a team that was ever set up to do it and then didn't do it, 
maybe so, but them getting swept by the Pelicans is pretty far fetched now. After the Paul George, sh- like I remember when, yeah, I remember when now you know that was the performance, and that's all matter. I'm saying. That was the narrative, <laughs> you know, two three the, years ago now. So but that's the hallmark of Damian Lillard is like he has this thing. That's why I'm I'm starting to not buy that whole rhetoric of like. Oh, guys coming from mid-majors who have odds stacked against them. They're just, they, they're fueling negativity. And it's like, honestly, dude, I mean, with Dame, he, 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 he has this appearance of like, or has this like vibe about him that it's like all of that stuff that you hear when he tells you, he's like, I'm literally just trying to be the best that I can be. And like, I don't even no, think about I, it on that I, way. I, you like, actually yeah. believe him. I agree with you there 100%. Why? Because again, I'm an analyst at Portland State. Big Sky Conference basketball is what I cover. Weber State, where Dane went to college at, is in the Big Sky Conference. So I see Weber State every year coming through, and I see the talent and the ability of these guys in the Big Sky Conference, and the competition is it's, it's high-level basketball yes. there. Like, you could see how somebody would creep through from a mid-major to the league. And again, speaking of what he said, it was just probably politics that led them to play in the big sky. But I know for a fact because I'm calling these games for the exact conference that Damian Lillard derived from. These games are high level, and it is some great talent out there. I was going to say, too, let's be real. For more reasons than one, his fame has also grown a lot bigger in the past three years. And we are also, even in the short three years that we're talking about, a lot more visual media inclined to where we're seeing the offseason take place for him. Yeah, We're seeing the work being put in. We're literally yeah. seeing the full body workouts, the workouts in his home gym. Like, Dog, we can, I, we see it now. So, so it's like, when you when you see that in the offseason and you see the work that's being put in and you see the consistency with that and then you see the body transformation and then you see the stamina on the court and the willpower and yeah. the... You know, like I said, the willingness and, and the his, ability and to be able to carry that load acumen, every day, bro. like that's that's why I think we're talking about him. So although I do think uh, apology was kind of old with what Stephen A. Smith did. At the same time, some people just got to wear being an underdog, and I think he's the best fit for it. Like, I don't think he thinks he's an underdog. He That's does. He, he for no, sure does. I don't think... I don't he's think, spoken well, again, about it before. Again, well, again, speaking to what he said... I think that's his playing I'm, to No, I'm going to tell you, speaking to just an interview that he did on that podcast, because I listened to it from start to finish... He was asked, do you kind of have that underdog Oakland mentality? And he did say, I carry it with me. I'm just not emotional about it. And that's what I just said. He's the I, best. I carry it with that's, me, though. And that's, that's, so once again, I'm bringing this down perfect. That's why I said right he's the best person that. for it. Because yeah, an underdog is that. hard freaking work. Overcoming that, beating the fact that most people say, oh, you don't got a ring or oh, this or that. Like, staying loyal to one team, seeing all the effery that goes around like he's a good person to, to carry and, this like you damn right yeah. he's an underdog he's though and he knows he's it. the best leader in sports and right to now. expound I mean, on I mean, that and to yeah. expound on no, that yeah. this <laughs> is something that i wanted to talk about because 
I'm starting to see a trend, and it's not even just an original take because obviously working in, in Portland sports media, I've covered him myself, and I've worked with and been around a lot of the local media that covers him. In fact, a lot of them have been on this podcast. Obviously, first and foremost, John Canzano, who I interned for, he and Dame have had their spot. And if you go back to the episode that we did with Canzano on here, I think it's episode 113 to be exact, Kanzano told me a story on this very podcast where he said, interestingly enough, he ran into Dame the night that Dame hit the game winning shot against Paul George before the game, you know, in, in the locker room area. And Kanzano said straight up, like, Dame came to me that night and he told me that, hey, man, I feel like the way that you cover me and the way that you treat me is unfair, so on and so forth. And Kanzano's like, you know, you got enough people out here kind of kissing your ass here in Portland, which obviously we don't see that on a national level. But he was like, hey, one thing I do want to be is fair. And I say that to say that night, Dame goes for 50. He hits the game winner over Paul George. Then you fast forward to the bubble. And we can probably go even further beyond that. You fast forward to the bubble when he's balling out. Skip Bayless talks crazy on his platform. What does Dame do? Go for 62 and tells him to put some respect on my fucking name. Then you have fast forward to a few weeks ago, Aaron Fentress, who also has been on this very podcast. We Mm -hmm. had him on episode something, but uh, episode 109, Aaron Fentress came on. I don't know if y'all seen the clip that went viral on the Scott Van Pelt show where I sure did. Where Dame he was doing the out. press conference, no, I and he called Fentress out, mm-hmm. and he says, "Yeah, Fentress, I heard that you said it's another backcourt in the NBA that's better oh, than right. me." Oh, I and saw CJ. him tweet that. I saw him tweet that. Well, you saw Fentress tweet, tweet that. Yeah, Dame I didn't in the, the post game conference called <laughs> Fentress out. He called Fentress out, <laughs> and it went, and he gave him the coldest stare down in America. Like I said, to the point where <laughs> it, it was went awkward. viral. It was, it awkward. was very awkward. He calls him out. Dame made it awkward on. He did he say like, it, it, well, yeah, I did. He, well, well, he he said that he didn't say that they were better, but he said he offered up Russell uh, Westbrook and Bradley Beal, which where I think he messed up if he was going to offer anybody up because this was just before Kyrie and Harden became a backcourt. He should have at least offered up Chris Paul and Devin Booker. In that instance, but to offer up Bradley mm. Bill and Russell Westbrook <laughs> to me was kind of mm. like, I mean, what y'all think? I mean, what y'all hey, think? I, think, I think it was. I think the Bradley Bill and Russell. I would have did. That. I would have thought about that before I thought about Chris Paul. Yeah, and but you would have thought Booker? about. Yeah, but everyone thought about John Wall and 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 Bradley, Bradley Bill too. And it was never good. Dud. It's right. dud. And we know what, what we know what, what it is. Da- Damian we know Lillard, what Damian Chris Paul is balling right now. Damian, he's uh, been, he's balling the people in the always, thunder. Bro, he's, he's never stopped. Russell Westbrook. Oh my goodness. So for me, based on the momentum and the Suns are top four in they, but I think they would have a home playoff game. But going back to to my point that I was making. Dame obviously since then has performed his ass off. Oh man, he's then last, then earlier this week you had the, the best. He's a. playing apology. the best basketball in, in, in the he, league right he, now. He had the Stephen A. apology Stephen earlier this week, about that, and man. I watched him get on Instagram Live, and people were coming in because obviously he was a national and a trending topic, and people were coming in, and what did they instantly do? Go straight into comparing him to Steph, and he's going off on him on the Instagram Live. Get off my, you know what? Like he's just going in and. 
And then last night, he just does some spectacular shit against the Thunder, hitting all of those threes in the last four minutes of the game. Biggest against six late a in the game. really great defender. Hit, hit an insane shot. And then tonight... He goes out there and puts up, what, 40 and 16, 16. 40 and 16 and, and hits 43. the go-ahead and one. Yeah. I say all that to say, when we do have these bigger yeah, moments that not. are getting national attention, a lot of that seems to be fueled from the media treating him as an underdog. Now, the fact that he responds to it is absolutely dope to me, and he's just continuing to remind folks over and hey, over man. and over who he is. That's but I I'm think saying, it lights bro. a fire but under hey, him bro. that I almost feel like listen, talking shit about him right now but, just to see him continue listen. to play at this level. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm Straight saying. He's the, best, he's the best person hey, for it. He's the best person for it. Sometimes you just got to be the underdog, and that's what it is. Me it, too, though, because it's a honestly, great league. I'm, I'm like, the biggest Portland fan in the room, and Portland has always been an underdog. I don't think they've ever been better in four seeds since Damian Lillard's been there, so he's always played as an underdog. His playoff record is not very good at all, especially against Steph Curry. And that's credit to how good that goddamn position I mean, is, for real. Because no, I get that. And for him to be this good I mean, year geez, over year and still be overshadowed, that, that's shout out to I just, the I just, Steph Curry's we talking about. Who else would you say has caused Damian Lillard to be talked about less over the recent years? Westbrook, because he had the triple double season. He's in the NBA MVP. year. Okay, um, and I think you have to also throw. But James he shut Harden. that down the next year, he right? Shut that down. Okay, but then yeah, I also think you got to throw James, James Harden, Harden in there because he's a point guard. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the role he plays on the court is that of a point know, guard, just, even though I mean, his position is a shooting guard. I know guard, what you mean. Yeah. James he's Harden, also, he's, av- he's leading the league in assists. Obviously, he's scoring at a crazy clip. But even now, Kyrie is taking the backseat and saying, not taking the backseat, scoring the ball, but position-wise, and saying, man, you know what, James? You're the point guard. I'm going to play shooting guard out here. Yeah, but I mean, even still, Portland doesn't get play in the and national you just, island. And, and you just make mark. And, and I mean, you know what's crazy? And they never just, have, and I don't understand that because you know. Portland but you just is a mentioned very the viable money making market. Everybody who you just mentioned that was overshadowing him was West players. That hurts too. And Western yeah. Conference teams. It'd so be they have really compelling storylines. You know what I mean? So he's that been snubbed from some All Star games. Yeah, so that's, that's I don't think it's gonna happen this year. He's oh, never hell been an All-Star no, he'll never I'll miss him. again. So, yeah. so 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 he's so he's playing good enough to be starting in the in the All Star game over Steph Curry right now. He's no, the starter. No, but I mean, no, really. So Steph Curry is. That's why start, I keep saying he's going to be the underdog. So Steph Curry is going to deservedly start in the All-Star game this year. Yes, based on his performance, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That but doesn't about, mean Dame doesn't deserve it, And though. that's why I'm saying. That doesn't mean Dame doesn't deserve it. But if Steph gets it, who can be mad at that? I mean, I would Who can be, be mad? He you average, he's averaging, and you're a Blazer fan. That's he's that, averaging yeah, you 30. Be. They're playing good basketball. <laughs> we just watched what he Dang. did tonight. If we need to bring that back up, you just <laughs> yeah. seen it with your own eyes. I just cooked something. Yeah, like, come on, bro. Like, yeah. It's a solidified. It's not like, even really an argument. Goes, either way it goes, you're not going to be mad at who becomes the starter right. because yes, Dame yeah, is playing. But I, think, I think it should be. He Dame. deserves to be an all star. And that's starter what I'm saying. That's what I'll you bet you. I'll bet, does and I'll bet yeah. you the coaches and the and the media will vote him in for I, I, for I starter as a starter as a starter. And that's yeah, what I I'm saying. I don't mind him starting together with Harden gone. There's no Clay Thompson to play shooting guard. There's no Westbrook to to go ahead of him. I think Steph and Dame should start together in, in the All-Star it, game. It could happen. With, it could happen. The, it could happen. The, yeah, but Luka, Doncic, LeBron, Dame's James. Dame's got to start over Luka. The, the, the Mavs so are better. Good. So Luka's not Luka been, Luka been, Luka been up in And Luka can Luka get Luka numbers been there, but he's been playing. I've been watching a lot he's of Luka games. He 
he's been playing like some bullshit yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, the numbers that, don't that match up to what Portland, I've been watching man. him look and dude, like. And that's the thing, like that, <laughs> like that game against Portland, it's so funny, bro, because it, it's crazy. Damian Lillard has been stepping into other guys' arenas, getting close games, and hitting daggers in people's eyes every night like it's nothing, and, and Luka hasn't been able to answer. The only dude that's, that's, that's compelled to go into this fight with Damian Lillard and being able to answer, and they're not even playing against each other, is Steph. And that's why he gonna be the guy. And Steph hitting for sixty two this year Second too. So sixty two this. You gotta year. acknowledge that. Just, what's what's just next, guys? What's next? Steph's Steph starting. Draymond does. Green. Let's oh, let's hear oh, his man. clip because uh, he went on an absolute rant in regards yeah. to a, a trade situation that's supposed to be happening with Andre Drummond from the Pistons. Let's just jump right in and, and hear what Draymond had to say. To watch Andre Drummond before the game. Uh, sit on the sideline, then go to the back, and then come out in street clothes because a team is going to trade him. It's bull****. Because when James Harden asked for a trade and essentially dogged it, I don't think there was no surprise or no, you know, there's no one's going to fight back that James was dogging it his last days in Houston. But he was castrated for one to go to a different team and everybody destroyed that man. And yet a team can come out and say, oh, we want to trade a guy. And then that guy is to go sit. And if he doesn't stay professional, then he's a cancer and he's not good in someone's locker room and he's the issue. And we've seen situations of Harrison Barnes getting pulled off the bench. You know, DeMarcus Cousins finding out that he's traded in an interview to watch Andre Drummond before the game, after the All-Star game, and we continue to let this happen. But I got fined for stating my opinion of what I thought should happen with another player. But teams can come out and continue to say, oh, we're trading guys, we're not playing you. And yet we're to stay professional. At some point, as players, we need to be treated with the same respect and have the same rights that the team can have. Because as a player... You're the worst person in the world when you want a different situation. But a, but a team can say they're trading you, and that man is to stay in shape. He is to stay professional. And if not, it's I get your point, cuz, but your articulation was off. Come on, dude. I get your Stop point, but he just didn't break. Yes. He, he wasn't a good spokesperson yes, for that shit. Not, it was not. not. Tell me more. I, I, it was, because I really understand dude. sports and I seen examples of what he's referencing just like, i understand but every point he, he made was he just sounded so not good man, trying yeah. to explain what he wanted to get i get across. what he's saying and it's like <laughs> it's a great point or whatever but it's like but how he how he said it didn't it wasn't easy to look even if you were it wasn't at, easy to digest even if you were looking at it to try to poke holes in it <laughs> you can easily find them he names both of his ex teammates who whatever he said about whatever the hell was going on with them and then he starts talking about himself about his fines so he's complaining about his <laughs> about fines. another player and then he's talking about if he gets if the team gets mad to stay in shape like dude even if you're not a professional athlete like don't you want to just stay in shape as a human being like all 
all of your points are so flimsy, dog. <laughs> it was just, it was just like, what I are think you he could have used about, that three Trey? minutes a lot more effective yes. to, to, to get the yes. point across that I know he was ultimately going I, for. I'm glad you said that because there's a topic that we are going to talk about a little <laughs> bit later, totally unrelated to this, but where I think communication is everything in regards to what it is that we're going to see from that. So we'll get to that conversation later. But what I will say is this. I hear what y'all are saying. I'm glad, though, that Draymond is stepping up to at least try and become a consistent voice and open up the floor for other people who maybe can articulate things a a little bit better than what we just heard to have a little bit more confidence in going out and making these types of claims. Obviously, here... I get that. You would have a lot of confidence saying something after he talked, especially (laughs) now. I mean, and like I said, I was going to say, LeBron LeBron backed him. I seen seen the support. Draymond's doing what he does as a human being. He's first through the door. You know, he's going to walk through the door and take the bullets first, and then so people can come behind him and, and be able to advocate for and I'm not mad about that some people hate him for it I'm not mad about that I respect that and and even yeah we have heard many of those stories because even again right here on this podcast I'm gonna keep plugging because I want to get better at that because we've covered so much on this podcast that I think even current topics that are happening and unfolding today as we see here with Draymond we've covered similar stories where we can connect those dots and keep things episodic for y'all because this is a podcast and and there are episodes but when we had Etan Thomas on Etan episode 117 he came out and discussed how he was in his GM's office and they were coming up with a whole game plan to send him to big man camp and all of this stuff and he wasn't even 10 minutes removed from his GM's office when he got a phone call from his agent saying that he was traded. So it does happen in regards to the points that, in y'all's cases, Draymond was attempting to make. And I think we all understood what the points he were making. Maybe he didn't articulate it the best, but it is a common theme that we've seen across the NBA and have for even the, covered right here on for this the podcast the time. Facts. But for the examples that he tried to use, That's why it's, I'm more so, it's more so like Spliff said, you a millionaire getting paid to be an athlete, bro. You're saying you got, you're expected to stay in shape. Like you damn right. But it's other reasons that like you could have went a little bit deeper into some of these examples that you use or made the not so understanding person understand or side with you more because as, as expected, the league going to side with him. Hell, we side with him, but it just didn't sound good. But that's where I will also say this. We're fortunate because we do get to speak on a podcast long form. But as somebody that makes a lot of those appearances, obviously in different, arena, in different arenas, and yeah, sometimes in sports too, because with Portland State, I make a lot of those appearances. When you have kind of those concise press conferences where you got to try to get through shit rather quickly. I think the message was so big that you got to try to make sure you do articulate it to where everybody understands it. And I think communication is important, but the pressure do be on when you know you got 60 seconds to get something off right quick because you're in the middle of a press conference or you're making a news appearance. So I give him a little bit more leeway from yeah. that alone because I make a lot of these appearances. Uh, no, and I I've do. been in a scenario but, hey, where he I had been, enough time. When I listen back, they and get I on podcasts too. Yeah. 
I've heard uh, some goofball stuff coming out of his mouth. But, but, that's, it, but, but I'm it reminded me of when he shot that half court shot with all the time left a week or so ago and said that was the smartest, yeah, dumbest play shit. ever. But, but my point is this. Oh, yeah. yeah, you hear it on podcast. Smartest, yeah, you hear it on podcast. But the reason that you oh, hear it Drake on podcast on. is because a <laughs> lot of people aren't ready for that moment. It's not an easy moment to exist in. So maybe that's why I gave him a little bit more yeah, leeway. Like I said, it meant well. And, and the exactly. point was good. It was made. For and, me, it was about the and intent. And it's respected. Um, it's, it's just because I know I've, I've been on platforms so, where I, again, I felt like I had a lot of fluff too, especially when you go back and listen to it. But, but I, even I, after I hearing that twice, out of what, what exactly happened to Drummond? Was he dressed in his basketball clothes? And yeah, then, I think he came out to warm up and got called back. Like, yeah. he came out to warm up at some point. I don't know if it was, you know when the team came out to warm up just before the game or just earlier on, you know, folks come out and do individual drills and stuff too before both teams come out. So to break so this down again, out, the problem up, is... Went and, and, and got snagged to go back to the back to basically say he's essentially on the trading block and they're going to go with Jared Allen in regards to getting those minutes because they're either going to buy him out or trade him rather soon and they want to okay. give those minutes to the young center so Jared how do Allen... You- who they plan to move on with going forward. How do you intersect that with James Harden wanting to leave? Because the fact that it because happened the way that it happened. <laughs> Best word he used in that segment. Anywho. But basically he was saying how teams could just do it at the blink of an eye, but when James Harden wanted to trade, he got castrated and he got but they, criticized man. in a very harsh way because... Basically, James Harden didn't do anything that weren't within the rights of what he can do in regards to requesting the trade. But he dogged so it. Like he, he said, yeah. he dogged so he, it. I'm not here to defend that, but I'm just telling you where, where uh, he you was, left the point the job, he was trying to get to. Bro, I'm if not you here left to say any job on a bad sense. term, yeah, he dogged you, it, you leave on a bad term. That's and not I, like if you, any job. If you leave it, if you go out on bad terms, and, and, and that's all I'm saying is why I just thought he could. And I, this is me breaking it down to where I'm saying he could have got. People could kind of pick at this how he demonstrated it. I understand the point and I respect it, but the examples he used weren't very supportive in no. what he was trying to get across to just somebody who written. doesn't understand more. Like I could literally think of a few janky trade segments that I could inquire to talk about right now if we wanted to, and then. It's like, okay, you already know about this, so you know. But for somebody who doesn't understand the Andre Drummond story or what James Harden was really feeling and going through when he did dog it, or the Eton Thomas story, the Eton Thomas story, right you, 117, you, you, was that? 118, 113? No, it wasn't 113. I think that was Kenzano earlier. One set, uh, 117. He was on it. Yeah, 117. 117. So, I mean, us having that. It's a great interview. Yeah, and I, it did numbers. And that's what I'm saying. Having that kind of insight, you could feel him. But. Nah, bro. <laughs> I hear you. I that's hear it. You. Yeah. That's I it. hear you. Enough about the NBA. Let's talk about some football. Russell Wilson, right here in the Pacific Northwest, still came out and told. The front office of the Seattle Seahawks, he needs better protection. He needs a better offensive lineman or else. Um, what are y'all general thoughts on that? The first thing that jumps out to me, I read the article. Uh, Russell Wilson's case could be boiled down to 394 times he's been sacked since he was drafted, which is by far and away the most times that any quarterback has been sacked since he's been in the league. 
on the and talking about I since he's be- been in the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah since yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. in the league, right. nine seasons. So on the flip side of that, which so like like that alone, there's a bunch of other things, but that alone, it's like, dude, he, you're the star quarterback. If you tell people to jump, they should be like, "What shoes do you want me to wear?" I would have to disagree. But with here's, that. go ahead. But but the thing about that article that also said there's a lot of good hard facts in there. In that one of them being, um, they've known about their offensive line inefficiencies for some seasons now. To do the Seahawks, they are the f- I think they the highest paid offensive line for the past five seasons accumulatively, and also they have drafted 16 offensive linemen. Over the last, I don't know, maybe seven seasons, b- better than any other NFL team. So it's like, and that's eh, where, I, yeah. you know what I mean. And that's where I would say, maybe we're trying, maybe we're just not good enough. I, I, I think even more so to that, it's the isn't. type of quarterback that he is. He's not a quarterback that gets rid of the ball fast. He's a very mobile quarterback and has had a lot of success at it. We've never seen a black quarterback, especially, which usually gets labeled as the dual threat mobile at least quarterback type quarterback have the success that Russell Wilson has had in the NFL that has led to him playing a lot more games. Obviously, every year they make it to the playoffs. He's had a couple Super Bowl runs. And the fact that he is a little bit more risky and playing outside of the pocket, yes, indeed, you are going to get sacked more. Now, with that being said, I'm not criticizing him for coming out and saying that because Football is such a violent sport. Any quarterback advocating for themselves to get a better offensive line, I probably won't attack you for that right. alone. Beyond, like I said, if you know a little bit more intricacies of football, like we've been stating, you're like what? With Dude, some you of these get facts, hit less. Yeah, you want to get hit less. Like that's a pretty like okay. You can say that all you want to because yeah, you're that's... a quarterback and you're out there getting hit. But what I will say is this: to me, I just thought it was more of a flex because he's getting towards the end of his career. And for one, with the violence of the sport, you want to be as well equipped as you can possibly be leaving out of this sport with the career that he's had. And for two, he's going straight into on-office positions as an owner once he's done playing in the NFL. So he has to kind of start establishing himself as a guy that has front office Impact and front office influence now while he is more towards the tail end of the career because he's already a part of the ownership group for the Seattle Sounders. If Portland miraculously ends up getting a major league baseball team, he's a part of the ownership group with the Portland Diamond Diamond Project. Project. He's already come out and said one of his biggest goals in life is to become a part owner of the Seattle Seahawks one day. His brain got to work after football. Absolutely. And y'all remember taking him more to a cultural level. His wife is Sierra. Y'all remember when the headlines came out that he went and brought back all of her masters. He bought all of her masters back for her from the different labels. So he's already having a front office owner type mentality. He's looking to be like the biggest football mogul. And the reality is he's still black. So establishing himself as somebody that has, you know, front office impact, front office influence, and hopefully it all works out to where he has a really good year next year because he probably only has a few good years left. He knows he's getting ready to go into an industry where he's a legitimate underdog based on who his peers are beside him. So he has to start kind of flexing his muscle from that standpoint based on the transition that he's going to sooner rather than later make out of football and into being an owner primarily. As much as I hate it, I think it's a legitimate ask. 
I think he's that close with the organization. He's been with the Seahawks that long, and he's been great for this long. Let's let's be real. I mean, God, this past yeah, season, I think it's a bullshit yeah, this, this yeah. past season was he probably the worst ball. I've consistently seen him, you know, play, but. I think that goes back to what he's asking for. If he get a little bit better line, like you said, yeah, to sustain. Yeah, no, but the numbers do support a little bit in that he kind of, I mean. And, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, gets himself the in pre- trouble. The part, of, the part of you that don't. He's some damn good athlete. He's yeah, scrambling that's what and I'm gambling out of the That'll come get and you. You're going into the shark infested waters. I think along with that too, he might need to lose a little bit of weight. I think he was at the peak of what he was weighing last year, too. That might have made made him a little bit less mobile than we've seen him in the past. He yeah, was around uh, that's a good he point. was around 220, 225, standing at 5 feet 11. That's kind of... That's kind of stocky, and he was he's looking it. Oh, but yeah. that's what I'm saying. He's getting old. Yeah, he's been doing his thing. That's, and that's what I'm saying. It all goes to back. When you can get in shape, you notice. I mean, look at Tom Brady. He's 43, He's on his shit. Like I already said, man, he's living good. He's good, man. His wife is Sierra. He's getting a little bit more money than he's ever been getting. Like, the richer you get, the harder that becomes to stay in shape. And that's why I said a part of you could be mad and be like, all right, you pretty boy, big getting gut. You feel me? Like... <laughs> Man up, but it's I, like I, I said. I think I, he warrants know. that. I think he can ask for something I just feel like, like that. If you're gonna ask and you're gonna put the, I mean, because as an owner, you're gonna have to think about the financial implications of whatever you're asking for too. You got to balance the books. So it's like if I'm Russell Wilson, I 100% agree because it's like, bro, you want if you want me to go all in on you riding out in the sunset of your career, mm-hmm. are you going to... Well, are we trying to win a, another ring here? Because if, if you're not willing to that step up to the too. plate and do that, then why are we going to sit here and, and and you know what I'm saying, sell the farm to watch Russell Westbrook... Yeah. Russell Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Russell yeah. Wilson. I do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I feel like that you makes sense, I mean? too. I mean, it's like we real. might... They got DK and some young players over there who they might be building around already kind of setting for another quarterback to come fill the shoes after. So why would they want to unload the house on a right tackle and two uh, left guards just so that they can, <laughs> you know, for him to look. Dooley Johnson and Stevie. That's a part of him trying to Stevie flex. somebody. That's but that's why I said I'm not mad at it from yeah. that standpoint because as a franchise quarterback who's played this well for them for this long and has this kind of relationship with them, it's not wrong. Like, that's a flex that is a reasonable flex. In my opinion, I, I like, and you don't want to have an unreasonable flex when you're trying to prove yourself at right. some at something that you're going to be doing primarily in maybe a few years. Yeah. So, so For now yeah. you're our quarterback. If that's what you feel like you need to be at the top of your game, it's right that we try to see how we can get you the best that we can afford to with and still give you the other pieces you need to compete. Absolutely. Well, the ball's Absolutely. in Seattle's court. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Um, sticking to sports here before we get into some more cultural stuff. Um, let me just start off by saying this podcast isn't the place for you to get um, intricate details on tennis. But boy, was I in heaven tonight watching Naomi Osaka and <laughs> she whooped that ass. And Y'all, Serena Williams get after it and Osaka. Young world. Wow. <laughs> she's the best in tennis and mm-hmm. women's tennis. She's I heard the best. She, I didn't see it. I heard she proved she, that with ease though. She, yo, she has Serena so rattled. Yeah, her ass. Serena rattled, was rattled. Man. Even you could when, just see it. She couldn't. She couldn't help but wear it. On she uh, couldn't she, help but wear it. Really? Yeah. Rattle. I mean, she. I mean, 
Rattle. She was trying. She I don't know much rattle. about tennis. I can't tell you the strategy that had her rattle. Maybe I could do that a little bit better when it comes to football and basketball. But I she can't got give her you the strategy. Oh, you can just but damn. she wore it all over her face, she all over her body it. language. She wanted it. And, and, she couldn't and, get and it. Naomi was stone. She yeah, was I mean, dialed in from start to finish, and she knew she was in control. She was consistent yeah. with her performance. She knew she was in the control the entire time. And yeah, she's got to be yeah. as the best woman in tennis and today. Why be in Corday is a happy man, huh? Hey, just Corday a, now. Just Corday now. He's a winner. <laughs> that kid is a winner. And, and it was funny. <laughs> and it was funny because you know I'm looking at folks on Twitter, and obviously, um, especially me, I follow a lot of women that are, are are female activists, especially within sport. Shout out to the Burn It All Down crew. We've had plenty of those women here on the podcast from Amira Rose Davis to Shereen Ahmed and Jessica Luther, good friends of mine, and I'm watching them, and they were so torn because you have these two queens of color, black queens, um, you know, Naomi's interracial, but she's part black, um, and you have them going head to head. You got the young phenom and the goats essentially going head to head. So a lot of folks were torn and were stressed out, especially the women who support both of these women were stressed out because you almost didn't want to have a winner. You wish that both of them can win. No, Where man. me, I didn't give a damn. No, I wanted Naomi to win because... Serena's established she's proven herself. I want Naomi to rise, that, that, to continue still, to rise. Oh, and she's doing and, that. And she's doing that, but I'm saying this, I think, added to that because she was going up against Serena. Yeah. But I, I wasn't stressed one bit watching those two because, first and foremost, they made the game look pretty. Again, I can't give you a bunch of intricate details, but I know what skill looks like just from being an athlete. And they made the game look damn good based on the way yeah. they played it. And also, two very gorgeous, beautiful women out there playing tennis one-on-one, mano-a-mano. I'm here for that. <laughs> so so the reality the is I, I, I'm here for that. And, yeah. and I'm not going to, you know, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not objecting, objectifying anybody when I say that. I'm just a, a straight cis male, and that's how I feel. Man, but, it, it sucks but me because I wanted to really get that It was great all the way around. I Aesthetically, really it win, was great. Man. Professionally, it was great. Skill-wise, it was great. I think the storyline is great. Everything was great about watching those two tonight go head-to-head. Yeah, I mean, I, I, just, I thought Serena was going to be able to go out and get one more, you know, for the ride home. But uh, Naomi, Naomi needed her issue. Well, you know, Naomi I think, needed I think, her issue. And I think that's great. Like, I mean, come on, man. Like you said, dude, I mean, there's st- still, that's like the top level of tennis. Like, you're not going to see... That was like watching LeBron. I mean, watching uh, Jordan and Kobe play on the same court together. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's like you're not going to get to be able to see that type of straight up skill ever Absolutely. again. Absolutely, man. Well, let's get into some culture, man. Um, the Dave Chappelle video. Let's start there. Spencer, I want you to kind of lead the charge I on that. Watch this video post on February 12th called Redemption. Song the day that we the day we last recorded and we yeah, had an intense exactly, debate about exactly. the anthem. Dude, we did, and Dave Chappelle is one of the most important sociocultural voices in, you know, I mean, really the country definitely, but also the globe, man. Like he affects change. Like the point of that video that he posted was it was a dispute that he had with Netflix. He wasn't getting paid for the rights to the footage that was owned by Comedy Central because, I mean, I'm Viacom. not... Viacom. Yeah, sure. that's but, who owns Comedy Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. But at any rate, you know, it's been janky through with them. So we, I mean, that's the whole saga of Dave Chappelle, who, by the way, made 
the greatest sketch comedy show of all time who made all of your favorite jokes before any of your other favorite comedians made those jokes. And he showed in that video, he goes, uh, I just told him I was going to go talk to my bosses and the bosses of my audience. And so I told you guys to stop watching. And then you did. And then they pulled the net, the, the network, or Netflix pulled the, the show. And then I was like, bet. And then Comedy Central calls and goes, whoa, 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 hold up. Well, let me just pay you real quick. We can get all that stuff back on because we're going to make all that money off the back end. And like he said at the end, he said, now I can finally say, Comedy Central, it was a pleasure doing business with you. Thank you very much. He actually got stuff done, just like we were talking about last week about the National Anthem. And, and, and you were making that great point about how, you know, you want to see lasting change if there's going to be some real, you know, defiance mm-hmm. against this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and the... The voice of the comedian has always been the most illuminating on these issues that we talk about all over that permeate in all Facts. aspects of Facts. sports and culture and music and politics all and that, ev- yeah. all of that. And that man, these comedians, bro, and Dave Chappelle, as most especially. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does it. He's like, he just, he's, he's the, genius. He's, it's smooth. It's like butter with him. It's he, just, he's meant for he's that. He's giving up the game. And that's going back to. The conversation again that we had last week, where a lot of stuff we actually agreed on, going back and listening to people it, seem to enjoy approach, that, huh? They loved it. Okay, they loved all right. I didn't know how that was going to be received. <laughs> they loved you that guys were so going. because it got spicy. <laughs> it got spicy. But the point was, I actually so agreed with a lot of what you were saying. But even more so, going beyond that, if you tie that into what we were talking about earlier, it's the communication aspect that means everything Mm. and i also had that same critique when we talked last week about kyrie irving i don't criticize kyrie irving for what he did but what have i always said the communication aspect just hasn't been there based on what it was that he was attempting to do that we didn't get a clear grasp of as fans of the nba and even as his peers in the league you could clearly see nobody got a good grasp of that dave chappelle has been elite and efficient in his communication by way of his profession for such a long time that, yes, that to me is the number one ingredient as to why you would say he's the most important socio-cultural figure figure that we have in regards to being a catalyst for change. So that's why I said that communication aspect is so important. Can I? And this is, I think, I can take that even a step further, though. I agree. Comedians is not a team sport. And but, that's another but, thing that... Nah, but here's the thing. I'm sorry, Definitely, yeah, I went... What I mean by that is... Because as he was saying the point about Kyrie, I was going to be like, he did communicate with his coach and his front office and his teammates. They seemed to know what was going on and when they expected Kyrie back. It was us that didn't know what the hell was going on. So once again, it's levels to who you're supposed to be communicating with. He might have thought he got his point to us a long time ago and that he needed to tell his organization and his teammates what he was doing and what he was doing it for on the flip side, you got somebody like Dave Chappelle where, like he said, we are basically who he works for. Like that that yeah. so him com- him coming straight to us it, it is necessary in his standpoint where he comes from. Well, he actually went to the owners as well. 
He didn't necessarily. But come, he's the spokesperson. But he is the I, spokesperson I mean, for sure. Con- no, I get what you're saying, but but I think an important piece in what it was that he said, going back to even that conversation last week where we talk about the player, the owner. One thing he said that was very key in that clip was the owner of Viacom is younger. I'm going on to find out that he's black, and and he was not there when Dave Chappelle got his initial deal, which obviously clearly was a raw deal. So the willingness for all of that to change, a lot of that had to do still with Dave going and reaching out to the head honcho at Viacom, who happens to be somebody who's younger and more forward thinking and fortunately made the right decision and also happens to be a black person and a person of color. So that's where you still see the influence of the owner and the head guy as far as that broadcast entity is concerned and the progressiveness Once again, in his demographics. NBA don't get that. No, that's no, the no, complete no, opposite yeah, yeah. scenario. But, no, you but, but, I think, but I think the point that you're making, because you're right, and mm-hmm. I think that the point that you're making is, is that the reason why that sort of change is facilitated is centered around exactly that Dave Chappelle has a ability of communication to streamline this information between us as the, you know, consumer, consumer, and then he's the conduit between these. I mean, you can't get that anywhere else. And bro, and the only reason why I, I, I apologize it for cutting you off, most. Oh, you I'm, I'm big that. time into the, this this comedy this comedy thing too yeah. because it's funny enough. I, you said it's not a team sport, and you're right. Except for Dave Chappelle just got that big time deal for himself and has always bucked the system. And and, and look, it's paid off for him. Yeah, and silver dollars the it whole time. It took him a long time. And, and, and most what, people don't. And there's, last a, and there's this a really popular. There's a really popular radio show that I really love called The Bonfire on Sirius XM Channel 95. That's in like a weird negotiation trying to get a show that's mad popular off the ground for five years. And their show is on what network? Channel 95 is Comedy Central. And their contract's getting funky too. So Dave doing stuff like that is telling that these other comedian guys who are, I mean, even right now, locked in contract negotiations to be like, listen, man, I'm blazing a trail for you because these guys' voices need to be heard. And you can't... I mean, but I that's mean, that's kind of that's kind of going back to a simplest terms in just media and, and entertainment in general because how many times have we heard artists tell us don't sign? It's a bad deal. And then when that million dollars get offered in front of your nose, you're going sign a deal or whatever you know two in the bush and that's all i'm saying so it's like that's kind of the basis of what we already know in common knowledge but it's nice to see somebody take the narrative and and own it and actually execute it to a point that we've seen it in the whole process and and it's going to be interesting because just to give y'all the listeners a sneak peek of a, a, a very in the near future episode that's in the works right now um, Brian Hooks, longtime comedian, actor, played in the movie Three Strikes, uh, was in Eve's. Remember Eve had a sitcom? The, the, the rapper Eve had a sitcom. I remember that. He was a, he was oh, a wow. primary, he was a main character in that show. Um, I remember He's going to be on this podcast soon. I talked to him yesterday. He said he's game. He's down. I'm supposed nice. to reach back out to him tomorrow. That's awesome. And yeah, I'm he, supposed to reach he, back out. I fool out. with him as a comedian. Yeah, Brian he's good. Hooks. He's, he's a legend. Yeah. Brian Hooks is a legend. Yeah. I'm supposed to reach back out to him tomorrow. Well, people Obviously, say we use I the win. word legend loosely. I don't know if he's a legend. He's a legend. I'm, 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 I'm,
imagine in my eyes. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm so entrenched in black comedy in particular. Fact. I'm he, not the he's... biggest fan of white comedy at all. So who would be deemed as a legend in even white comedy? Right. I probably am not. Right. And that's no diss really to him fuck. because no he, he's him. he's taking some good roles. Absolutely. For sure. He's taking some great roles. But he's also in the independent filmmaking scene. And, and now everything he does is pretty much from an independent See. basis and he pushes that really hard so it'll be really interesting to speak to him about how he's turned into just being just harping on independence in regard to his career and this is yeah. somebody who's had great mainstream opportunities and succeeded in those so he knows he knows the both belly sides of the, of the game he knows the belly of the beast <laughs> you know, and now he, and now he's dedicated to the independent game so this all will be very dope to have that conversation. And I agree, the comedian is so important. A lot of the times it's just based on the objectivity. They want to get across a funny, relatable no joke rather doubt. than them wanting to lean to yeah. one side or the other. Because if they don't get that joke across in a way that's relatable and that'll make people react, it's probably the most embarrassing Yo, scene to they be a part of. And I know that because I DJ comedy shows they, and I've seen... Comedians flop in an eight. Boom, <laughs> dude! They sacrifice their own egos just to try to say something poignant and funny. That's yeah, I mean, it's it's not it's not an easy crazy. thing to do is to yeah. go up there and entertain a crowd and it, it it falls flat. Um, lastly, I do want to weave in just a little bit of music because um. I haven't watched the movie yet. Let's all make sure we try to watch the movie this week. We've been dealing with snowstorms. We've been dealing with power outages. We've been dealing with all kinds of stuff. But Judas and the Black Messiah, I haven't watched the movie yet, but I for damn sure listened to that soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And oh, my God. Fire. Fire. Hit Boy. Hit Boy is continuing to break barriers and just prove his greatness from a producer landscape. That Ryan Coogler, crazy. Like I said, I haven't seen the seen the film, but we obviously know Ryan Coogler, Coogler directed Black Panther. He's one of the hottest directors in the game right now. I'm hearing good reviews from this film, but I'm not a guy that goes off of other people's reviews on any film. But as far as these soundtracks is concerned, he had Kendrick put together a great soundtrack for Black Panther. Sonically, well, sonically though, this one might be even better. Yeah, I'm giving it the nod immediately. The music I, I is to. phenomenal on this it's soundtrack sick. to where I can't wait to hear it in the movie. God, it's going to be awesome. I, and, and I think that's the great thing. Like, I think soundtracks are very significant, but usually the movie amplifies the soundtrack but I actually like being in a scenario where I rock with the soundtrack so tough that now I'm trying to envision how the music is going to be placed in the film Mm. I'm very interested in seeing like like for me to hear the soundtrack first that's usually not the case you usually watch the film first and then you start hearing songs through the movie and songs are broken records get broke in movies and films but it used to be the basically the only way that a movies or excuse me music was on the how radio. records broke, yeah. yeah, because like Broadway shows and stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's how records Oregon got broke. And so stuff. this okay, is kind of the a flip side where I'm a huge fan of this soundtrack, and now I gotta hear how it gets placed in this movie. So that's something I'm gonna keep a keen eye on outside yeah. of just the Fred Hampton story in general. It's a big time story in regards to the black community. That her record is worth the price of admission alone. Bro. Uh, yes, Straight yes. I told y'all last week, man. Her is the best. <laughs> she yeah, is man. the best. She's definitely call the me best. biased, but she's the best. 
Um, Lucky Day also came out with a new project table for two fire. I love that project. I love yeah. the project. And All I, female. That was a great uh, concept. Yeah, that was cool, a great man. concept. Table for two Valentine's Day release. All female features. Man, that was players. We cool, talked about man. it the other day, That's man. Keeping it player. We acknowledge yes. players. Yes, that was player. <laughs> yes, man. You know, man. I like a guy like Lucky Day. I was talking to a uh, little thing I, I like to talk to, <laughs> yeah. and no, she was saying she was going. You know. Uh, What'd she say? She said, uh, yeah, she didn't know the lucky day was, um, you know, like, you know, older cat. You know what I mean? It was like in his, like, uh, early to mid uh, 30s. And, you know, she said that he came off to her, her as a vibe of being a younger dude, but he keeps it very player. And it's like, man, you know, I think that it's really great, at least for me as a guy, you know, and, and uh, somebody who, who cares a lot about that vibe of, you know, being able to show a mainstream audience like some real grown man, you know, sort of player stuff like that he's you know? doing that's good. cool man I, I think that's cool dude i do he's killing it i will say this um i'm a little bit nervous speak speaking with music and this will probably be the last topic unless y'all got anything else that i forgot maybe i don't know it's a wrap but, for me, um, Kat. yeah but um sticking with music versus we've been covering versus since its inception i've been a huge fan of versus but they're doing something different this time where you have d'angelo versus friends I'm excited to see D'Angelo in the verses on a Neo Soul tip, but the fact that he that they're not announcing who his opponent is, yeah, it's and it's gonna be D'Angelo. Like, is it gonna be? Is he gonna be doing records against multiple art? Like, how is I mean, that gonna work? I'm checked out. <laughs> it was fun, right? It got us through the pandemic. D'Angelo has gotten to the point in his career where he just do. I mean, he's really for like the musician cats now. Well, and two I weeks ago, he just said Versus was doing sports. They are. You said that. Devon. They do. What's happening? They got a Versus. Now I'm hearing. They partnered to do run a 40-yard dash on a stage. No. That's all I'm saying, bro. I'm checked out, bro. It got us through the pandemic. It was good for what it was. I, I'm done with well, it. Well, you know what? Keisha Cole, they Shanti finished it for me. Ashanti, it is, it's he over for me. He, uh, yeah, <laughs> he calling it the dice game dancing shit now. <laughs> he, he, I'm, I'm done with it. It's the dice oh, game dance. On that note, we are going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and, and go, go win. win.